Thanks for listening to Freelance Bristol Mum. I'm Faye Dicker and this week I caught up with Nicole Burnett. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Pretty Nostalgic, which is a beautiful magazine. Their ethos, their ethos is spend wisely, waste less and appreciate more. And it really is simplistic beauty at its best. So with no background in publishing, in fact her background was a museum curator turned vintage china and linen dealer, somehow Nicole felt compelled to launch a magazine. I couldn't but help feel that was an amazing calling to have, such strength to be able to listen to herself. I asked her, can she remember that gear change moment? I can remember uh, I was working in a partnership at the time with um, with a very lovely lady called Sarah and we ran a vintage shop in Cowbridge which she still runs there now called Happy Days and we were sent a copy of a British vintage magazine which had just launched and inside there just wasn't very much genuine vintage it was all Chinese imported vintage there were artisan British artisan made products who were being showcased against foreign Ripoffs. I think there was a bit of a flick of a switch moment and I thought this this isn't fair. If you're going to be a vintage magazine, then just do proper vintage. I was just also really, once I started to get this sort of idea in my head, I started looking a bit more in detail about other magazines and analysing them and realising that I'd been looking at them almost on autopilot I was flicking through, it's like a 20 minutes flick through going, oh, that's a nice picture, that's, that's a nice picture, or an advert, 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 realising that 50% was advertising, which I wasn't really interested in. Um, a lot of it was content which was regurgitated from books and um, other articles that I'd seen before, and a lot of... Uh, pictures and photographs of shoots that I'd seen and had popped up before and I realised I was reading the same magazines over and over again with a few little changes and I actually bought one particular magazine twice and hadn't realised that I'd already bought it until I'd got halfway through and thought what am I doing why am I buying these what am I spending my money on so then just thought well if I was going to do a magazine what what would it be like Wanted. I mean, a magazine, the, the origin of the word magazine is a storehouse, which is why you get a magazine of bullets. A magazine's supposed to be a storehouse of information that's, that's, that's brought together. And um, with my um, museum background, really it made sense to treat it more of a, a compendium, a journal, almost um, a 2D exhibition in a way, and to bring back the sort of quality of content and make the content and the design and the illustration and the feel of the magazine the most important element to it, rather than how cheap can we print it and how many copies can we get out on the newsstand and how much advertising can we pack it with. So, yeah, we I found a printer. Um, we had no idea really what we were doing. We turned up and went, we want, we want to publish a magazine. <laughs> And eventually found a printer who didn't laugh us out of the <laughs> out of the building, and and just worked through. And it was really quite a quick process in the end. Within six months of deciding that's what we wanted, we'd found ourselves an editor. We found a printer. We formatted the magazine to be our 
sort of ideal magazine. Uh, Sarah ran the shop. I took on the magazine and we published our first issue. It's amazing to hear you tell that story. Uh, I mean, you've just given me... I'm going to walk over and pick up a copy of the um, magazine because you've just given me a copy and you've already touched on the look and the feel, but the one thing that I can't convey in this interview is the smell. And it smells absolutely beautiful and interesting in your role working in museums because you're very much like a curator in bringing all this beautiful art together, aren't you? Yes, I mean, that's really how I've always seen it, is that, yes, it's a curated... I can't... I don't know anything about magazine publishing, but I know what I want to read and I know the sort of content and the combination... um, of features that I would like in a magazine and that's really what I tried to put into Pretty Nostalgic with the help of a of a very fabulous team of people it's not me doing the magazine by any stretch of the means but I but I do um direct it curate it curating is a really good word for it it's a curated magazine so and we don't like um to feature and write about things just because they're trendy or fashionable and we don't have journalists writing about things that they don't know about we like to go straight to the people who are passionate about what they're you know that are really living things so if we do a feature on furniture making it's people that are doing it that tell the story rather than a a journalist interpretation there's a there's a there's a big sort of trend for wikipedia journalism at the moment where people just put superficial tokenistic information in we're having a go at changing that and i think people are noticing the difference between us and and the other magazines they've been used to reading it's amazing are you making incredibly hard work for yourself though are you living in an idealistic world will one day the bills come along and say actually we'd quite like to be paid now (laughs) or is this a labor of love and you've got a very strong belief this is absolutely a labour of love. I've got an incredibly strong belief that pretty nostalgic and a pretty nostalgic way of living is something more than just the magazine. The magazine is is a vehicle for a message that that we're trying to put out there. We only promote or feature independent British businesses and products that are made in Britain. That was a really important an antique secondhand recycling anything that's creative um in effect i have single-handedly cut off most of the revenue streams that we could have had in as a as a magazine and as a publisher um most of the companies which have a marketing and promotional budget i won't allow in the magazine <laughs> you're amazing <laughs> So how the devil are you paying those bills? Well, it's it's a slow process. I mean, considering this is this is completely self-funded now, um, there's no external investment, um, and the magazine's not beholden to anybody. We can say whatever we like and do whatever we want, and we've got to maintain that freedom, but obviously money has to come from somewhere. Um, so building up our subscription database, but that's not just about an income revenue that's about building a relationship with like-minded people so it's a two-way process and yeah I mean Pretty Nostalgic magazine's more of a society really than a magazine it's, a, it's certainly a two-way process between our readers and, and us rather than traditional advertising we have a, a directory where companies 
who fit our criteria. Um, they join us for a year, um, sort of single magazine advertisements, just don't do anything to anybody really. We want to get to know them, we want to get to know their products and we want to get to know the people behind the company and that way we can help them, we can find ways to help them grow and it's, it's building up a network. It is slow and it's hard without the sort of millions of pounds that other publishing companies have behind them and also the sort of different levels of expertise that they have we're very much oh we need to learn how to do that now <laughs> how do we do this and how long have you been going there how many editions are out we've just published our 10th edition and are well into um working on the 11th um so we're bi-monthly uh, issue one came out in may 2012 which seems like just yesterday it's it's very fast paced even though it's bi-monthly because we're such a small team we all work from home we don't have an office um we have to do everything the hard way and i have to ask is your home as beautiful as this magazine (laughs) in parts (laughs) (laughs) i wrote a book called pretty nostalgic home as a as a sort of precursor to the magazine it was it was my manifesto and there's a lot of my home in the book and it's on the front cover but i've got two small boys it doesn't and and a mad jack russell and and i'm a terrible hoarder I mean, that's the thing about if you're living in a pretty nostalgic way and you're trying to do things, you can't throw anything out because you just never know when you're going to need it. And I'm certainly not minimalist. But so some people think it's lovely and quirky and it's got lots of really interesting things. And I think some people would give them a really bad migraine. But (laughs) (laughs) I went to the Pretty Nostalgic event, which was a first for you and a really good way of putting yourselves on the map. And certainly, you know, well and truly put you on my radar and came away and just thought... Oh, my home, it's just so lacklustre. You know, it's just, it's such a beautiful world that you've created. But it's not an expensive world. It's it's about, I suppose it's about spending time in a different way and just looking at things differently. So instead of spending, um, you know, a Saturday walking around Cribs Causeway, you know, if you spent the same amount of time on rummaging through your granddad's shed to see what he had and what you could you know it's just about yeah looking at things in a in a different way and appreciate appreciate I mean our motto is spend wisely waste less and appreciate more and the appreciating more element I think is the most important and it's it's focusing on what makes you happy as a person and I think we're living in in very strange modern times where we're almost we're forced to be modern and part of being modern is is being very focused and ambitious and money orientated and buying the latest flat screen telly and but nobody ever really questions is that really making me happy do I do I need that and what does make me happy thinking about you know community neighbours family friends I feel like I'm stepping back into the 50s and it, I have to say it's a real delight it really is and, and that ethos is wonderful and do you work in collaboration with other people? We work um, we try to work really closely with our directory members and find interesting ways that we can work with them and, and um, promote both of us really so it's a sharing collaboration rather than um, a specific um, promotion of particular companies 
we're working with Honey Buns Bakery. They're a gluten-free bakery. They're sold uh, all over the world and are stocked in major supermarkets. And they've had uh, something like 60,000 chocolate brownies printed with information about the magazine and they've just written a feature on gluten-free recipes for christmas so it's it's a it's a lovely sort of cooperative um venture there's a lovely um company called peddlers who sell um, a lot of vintage they've got stores in salvaged they support british makers and we're running a competition with them and you've worked with some big names as well i understand you've been part of um virilin what was it a tribute and, and hampton court you've been involved in as well yes um we um help promote um uh, concerts by the bbc concert orchestra encouraging our um readers and followers to go dressed up in uh, in 1940s um dress and yes in our first summer just as we launched issue two um we we did a pretty nostalgic Hampton court show garden and won a silver medal and uh, that was one of my bright ideas, as if I wasn't doing enough. You don't make life easy for yourself, Nicole, do you? That was a really hard summer. <laughs> so it was a three-week garden build and and then a further week of promoting it to the public. Really long hours. But I did get interviewed by Alice Fowler on the television, so that was uh, that was a highlight. But it was a really good way of... We did a, um, a community garden. Our show garden was called Preserving the Community, and we built um, a jam-making shed. Mm. So it's a beautiful tin shed um, where all the surplus fruit from the community could be brought together and turned into jam and jam would be sold and used within the community so yeah it was it was a way of showing in a in a far more visual and a different format to the magazine what we're about and what we're trying to promote you sound like you're part of a movement as not you I mean you say you're part of a society it sounds like it's almost part of a movement to me and a, and a beautiful one at that and a lovely way in that we can create communities and ironically, there's a touch of that even in the social media, which is a very modern way, we can all help each other in this. Absolutely. I think the social media is a, re- is a, is a really interesting example of how, mo- you know, you can be modern, but take um, a traditional outlook. And there's a lot more uh, community on Twitter than there is along most people's streets and I think people are taking the time to get to know people more on social media than they are we almost need to take a bit of that and go yeah you know that thing you do on Twitter why don't you do it in your street and have a street party and go and find out you know what everybody in your street is like there's a lovely story behind how you came to hold your event at King's Western House. The only time I've ever been there was on a naughty driver's course, and I'm sure I'm not the only person to say that. It is a beautiful house, but it's clearly had a huge facelift from the last time I went there. Tell me, what happened? Well, this this is one of those uh, serendipitous moments, really. Um, I um, hired my lovely marketing manager, Rachel Goodchild, who does have a life outside Pretty Nostalgic sometime when I'm not working her too hard. But she's very conscientious and she was um, working on the website for King's Western House. So she met Norman Routledge, who'd, who'd bought it, the new owner. And she invited me along. She said, you've got to come and see this house. Knowing that my background as a museum curator was in domestic architecture and I used to lecture on historic buildings. And I just walked in and went, oh... 
you know, my gosh, I didn't know there was a Vanborough designed house in Bristol. And it's, it's one of the, it's a complete historical treasure that just sort of dropped off the map and was in dire need of, of help. And Norman um, wasn't really quite sure. He knew he wanted it decorated as a wedding venue. He also had to be um, very sympathetic to, to the building and um, the rooms and, and how, you know, to get it. Not historically accurate like a national trust um, property but it had to be in keeping keeping. yes good word had to be in keeping um so i just walked in and went oh my gosh you could do this you could do that you could do this and that would look lovely there and that would and he just said well why don't you (laughs) would you like to help out and and i said well we're looking for somewhere to to host a pretty nostalgic event and he's great have it here so I was almost sort of decorating it in time to hold our own and, and the paints themselves I understand that was also from someone who was in your directory that's right um Authentico paint have been in our directory since the very beginning when we started it um uh, Eric who runs it is a lovely chap and he answered one of my pleas when I was doing the Hampton Court show garden I wanted um some British made paints to use on the on the fence and on this lovely shed that we'd built um he stepped into the breach supplied the paints um we helped him by promoting him through the magazine that allowed him to get more stockists and dealers in the uk than than he was expecting um and then this lovely country house i mean the paints were just perfect so put norman and eric together so eric um gets a lovely show home for his paints norman gets beautiful paints and uh, yeah i mean that's how it works we can sort of match people up and everybody's happy you know it's this sort of it's the sort of promotion and networking that that money can't buy really and it's done through looking out for other people and knowing people well enough to be able to put them forward and make suggestions. And so is it word of mouth? How, how are you getting the visibility? Um, well, it's social media, it's through the website, it is word of mouth. It is, um, yes, we have events like our uh, Pretty Nostalgic Gathering, which selling things. It was about bringing like-minded people together. They go off and tell other people. We meet lovely people like you. You go off and tell other people. And we are... Um, sponsoring events we're going to be at the clothes show this year Um, I was a bit wary about that but they've made a real effort they've got a vintage area where um, uh, we're hosting a customization station where we are remaking um, discarded rags from Cancer Research UK shops and turning them into wearable outfits so it's, it's just showing people that there's a different way of doing things and then letting them and that's a re- that you must be over the moon that someone like the clothes show because initially I was thinking she's doing what, but actually to hear that they're embracing your very ethos absolutely. must you must really lift your heart. Absolutely, we were the only magazine who could sponsor a, a genuine vintage and British made section because we are not beholden to to advertisers and you know they can't tell us what to do. Um, so no, we are, our our principles support what 
they are trying to do within the fashion industry, which is support British, you know, especially young British fashion designers. And then we've taken that a step further and say, well, reuse the materials that we've already got that are being wasted. And it's been lovely. We've worked with Cancer Research UK and we're trying to show them that, you know, they are throwing away and selling off cheaply things which could have another use again and that people you sort of want to get hold of and we ran a lovely competition which um the um winners are being judged at the clothes show for um design your customized part christmas party outfit competition we had loads hundreds of entries from students you know so these are young children school age um who are really sort of embracing the idea of recycling and and it's not so much the environmental side it's the it's this is satisfaction. Look what I made out of this. This cost me, you know, two pounds and I've made this out of it as well as stopping something from going to landfill or, you know. And we're meeting today in a, in a beautiful studio here in the heart of Bristol. I know that you obviously, much in freelancers, usually work from home. Do, do you manage to get together and meet very often though? Um, not as much as we'd like. I mean, the wonders of technology and Skype are very... <laughs> very useful yeah I mean it's it's very hard we're very labor intensive um sometimes it's really hard to find the time to meet and still get published on time particularly as most of our um features are so labor intensive and involve uh all the photography and the design work and everything to be done in in house but um no I think I think we've got a good we've got a good team we understand I think 10 issues in now we we know how we work an office would be nice, but I certainly wouldn't want an unlimited budget. I think that would completely ruin everything. I think, you know, if, if an investor came in and said, here's a million pounds, I think, no, I don't think I'd want it. I'm quite enjoying the inventiveness of growing slowly and evolving and having to think differently and do things in a different way. And, and if you haven't got money to throw at things and unlimited staff you you have to build relationships with people and you know it's it's more of a bartering system even within our own team (laughs) and finally you're clearly a woman with a lot of vision and I don't want to use this word entrepreneurial spirit but spirit and passion what are your hopes and dreams Ooh, I mean I'm never short of of ideas um, I think things are evolving really nicely now and I really want Pretty Nostalgic to be something that I can be incredibly proud of and I want it to make a difference. I want, really would like Pretty Nostalgic. I would like people to know about living in a Pretty Nostalgic way and not, not a sort of cliche, but really want to change the way that people think and take ownership of what they do and how they live. Um the magazine obviously I would love there to be a copy in everybody's home but only if they appreciate it I'd hate it to be seen as a status symbol that would be awful (laughs) well thank you very much for your time today and enjoy your tea and cake Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you. Nicole Burnett speaking there. As I say, she's the founder and editor-in-chief of Pretty Nostalgic, and it really is a beautiful magazine. And if you'd like to get in contact with Freelance Bristol Mum, then please do. You can drop me a line at hello at freelancebristolmum.co.uk.